Kayla Williams is an anchor and news reporter at one of Canada's top news channels, CP24. A believer first, Kayla attributes her rich outlook on life to her athletic experience as a professional volleyball player, which has taken her around the world and now heightens her current chapter of dating Torontonians with their daily dose of news. Listen as Kayla takes us on her journey. Growing up, I always wanted to see more people who look like me that were successful. Can I afford to take a risk to follow my dreams? We are excited to bring you the Make Your Mark podcast, hosted by philanthropist Kim Niles. The Make Your Mark podcast allows you to hear personal stories of resilience by professionals and public figures of color. Our guests unapologetically share their triumphs, lessons learned, and how they found balance in their experiences. Tune in to equip yourself with strategies and coping mechanisms on how to boldly make your mark. Subscribe and listen now. I ended up moving at 17, I got a volleyball scholarship down to Grambling State University. It's a small division one university in Grambling, Louisiana. And from there, um, it sort of started the journey where I did, um, I started off in broadcast journalism and then I eventually graduated and got my first um, on air position as a reporter anchor for an NBC affiliate in Louisiana. So I actually got my start in the United States, which is very I guess it's unusual, but again, that's part of my entire, my journey in life. And we can kind of get into that later on. But yeah, from there, I got my feet wet. I did a little bit of everything. I was my own camera operator. I was a one-man band, if you will. I also reported on the weekends. I was the weekend anchor. And then I was also the fill-in morning anchor as well. And because I was in such a small market, it allowed me to really, you know, make mistakes, learn. Um, It was, it afforded me different opportunities and different roles because we were such a small station. And it was a really great starting point for my career. Um, From there, you would think that I would continue to maybe grow up the ranks in the US. But unfortunately, being a Canadian, I got my my visa expired, my work visa to work in the US was it expired. And so from there, it sort of catapulted my journey to a completely different realm. I went from being solely focused on um, journalism and broadcast journalism and, you know, working my way up in the ranks in that to now not unsure of where I was even going to go. So then from there, I ended up applying for I took my GRE and I applied to grad school and I ended up getting into Georgia State University for their sport administration program. And so for another three years, I ended up living and um, going to school in Atlanta, Georgia. And while there, I was still doing some freelance work as far as um, sports journalism, because I still had that that passion. I just wasn't sure how I was going to be able to navigate it because, again, I was still unsure with the whole work visa situation. So long short, I ended up graduating, got my master's degree. Um, I was working full time at a all women's college in Decatur, Georgia, called Agnes Scott College. And that was a great chapter of my life. It then brought me to 
the Philippines, where after living in Atlanta, Georgia for three years, I ended up trying one last time um, to uh, try out professionally overseas. And I said, you know what, I'm going to give this one last shot. And if it isn't meant to be, then at least I know I tried. And so I booked a one-way ticket after hearing about um, this particular team and this league over in the Philippines called the Philippine Superliga. I booked a one-way ticket and I ended up going and playing with the team for a tournament. And the tournament was sort of a tryout. And that ended up allowing me to um, be selected on the team. I ended up playing a full season there. We were a bit of an underdog team in that league and we ended up winning the championship, which was an incredible journey in and of itself. And so when I came back home after that season of playing, I got a random email from the Hamilton Tiger Cats, part of the CFL, the Canadian Football League, saying that they were looking for a sideline reporter for their upcoming season. At this time, this was in 2016. And they came across my reel, my highlight reel, if you will, from my journalism days and asked me if I would be interested. So I had a decision to make. I had uh, I was at a fork in the road. Did I want to continue playing professional volleyball or did I want to um, finally like get my foot in the door, especially in Canadian media? Because like I said, I had felt discouraged that I didn't have enough of a network to kind of get my foot um, or get my foot in the door in Canada. So after thinking about it and praying about it, I decided to take the uh, opportunity with the Ticats up. And I ended up being their sideline reporter for the 2016 season. And during that season, I knew it was just a one-year contract. So I, time was ticking. So I knew that like after this, I wasn't going to have a job. So I tried my best to use the opportunity that I had from the Ticats. I created a, you know, a fresh demo with new, new material on it. And then I started sending it out to all different networks and stations in Canada across the country. So I was willing to move again if need be. And so I did that. And then towards the end of my tenure with the Ticats, I ended up getting a job offer with a new station in Edmonton. And I'd never been to Edmonton. I'd never really lived there. But I said, you know what, this is a great opportunity. But like I said, I had, you know, kind of casted my net wide. And the same week that I got the offer from the new station in Edmonton, CP24 also got back to me. And so I ended up interviewing basically for both stations at the same time, to which I then had to say, you know what, I have to be honest with the both of you. I have this offer in Edmonton, but at the same time, I also have this offer or I'm, I was informing CP24 that I had this offer. And essentially from there, they said, okay. Uh, and then two days later, they came back and said, we would like to offer you the job. And so I had a decision to either go out to Edmonton where so a place I've never been before, or after almost a decade of being away from home, away from Toronto and from my loved ones and from my family, sort of return home finally and, and work for, um, you know, one of the top stations in the city and in the region. And so it sort of came as an easy decision for me and I accepted it. And yeah, almost four years later, here we are where I'm now working as a anchor reporter um, and host. I was always the one asking questions. And that was sort of my initial inkling into possibly going into journalism. And in grade 12, I had a really cool teacher and a really I enjoyed our media studies class in and 
at the high school that I attended, which was Francis Lieberman. And so for me in that year, it sort of shaped my, you know, I think I can, I can kind of do this. And so when I ended up going, my focus at the time though, first and foremost was getting, um, my athletic scholarship. I was determined to get a volleyball scholarship when I was in high school, because for me, I figure not, I didn't figure, but I knew that it was an opportunity to get my education paid for and coming from, you know, my family background where I was at the time I was raised by my grandparents essentially. And, you know, if I could alleviate the stress of financial aid and debt and loans and whatnot, I, I wanted to. And so if the game, the love of the game, the love of volleyball could afford me, you know, an opportunity to play and get an education, then I was completely focused on that. So it worked out that Grambling State University that had afforded me this full athletic scholarship also had a broadcast journalism program. So it was, um, it was, it was a good fit for me. I get to report on some very high highs and I also get to report on some very low lows. And, you know, when you are on the front lines of things, like whether it's the Danforth shooting or the Young Street van attack, you know, and you're talking about lives that are lost, or even if it's a fatal crash or a fatal fire, like when you're talking about people who are losing your, their lives and you're at the scene, whatever it may be, and you're seeing people who in an instant, their lives have changed. Um, it weighs on you. It, it really does. It, it, it does weigh on you, especially as a, as a reporter and as a journalist, because you're there to sort of share their stories. But at the same time, myself, uh, I try my best to remain, always remain human and to remember that you are dealing with humans. Right. And, and that we, it's not just a number. It's just, it's not just, um, you know, a location. This is somebody's you know, father, mother, sister, brother, right? And so to kind of go in with a certain level of compassion, um, I think is big um, because I think we all need that. Um, and I think you can still share the story properly without being um, cold. So as far as how to balance that as a reporter, you, to a certain degree, you do have to be hard on the outside for sure. Right. Because it, it does take its toll, but I, I mean, I'll be honest, like there have definitely been stories and moments where stories have, have like you, you try your best to leave work at work, but there are some stories that have, you know, I've taken home with me just because of the sheer um, tragedy and just the sadness of it. Um, but then at the same time, there's also some really amazing moments that I'll get to relish and remember and look back on with such pride and, and, and happiness too. you know, born and raised right here in the city and being able to come back and work for a station that obviously is very, uh, visible, you know, in our, in our community and in our city and across, you know, the region and, to get messages. And this is something that has started since when I first got here. So for years now, whenever I get messages, whether it's emails, you know, instant messages or people who come up to me on the street. And when they tell me that, you know, my daughter looks up to you or, you know, my son and I, we love watching you and we love seeing you on our, on our TV, you know, every weekend morning, or we always, you know, when I hear those those messages of like 
that there are younger people that see themselves as a reflection when they turn on the TV, um, that does not get old to me. And I think because of that, it makes me even, it reminds me that, you know, I want to continue to do a good job and to be, uh, to a certain degree, that role model, because that is a heavy responsibility that I don't take lightly. And I, I am fortunate that I'm afforded this platform where people are able to see someone who may look like them. You know, it, it's a bit of a mirror reflection and that they can aspire to, if they, if you can see it, you can be it. And so I think that is definitely one of my greatest accomplishments is just knowing that my presence and where I take up space is making a positive impact on a younger generation that may not have seen themselves before. Looking to consolidate your debt? In the market to purchase your first home? Interested in acquiring an investment property? Look no further. More Freedom is here to serve you. We aim to furnish our clients with the power and the confidence over their finances and a sense of accomplishment of taking the first step to get there. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I Want More Freedom. And you can always connect with us via our website at morefreedom.ca. You know, there's a lot of times I think that I've, at least the thought has crossed my mind. You know, I, I wouldn't be human if I didn't feel it that way. Um, definitely when I was at a point where I felt like I wasn't sure if I should still be where I currently am. I've, I've questioned, you know, am I really where I'm supposed to be? Am I, um, is this what I'm truly meant to be doing? There have definitely been those moments. Um, I can tell you that when I was an athlete, there was definitely a time. Um, so like I told you, I, volleyball has played a huge role in my life for many, many years, pretty much since I was a kid and it's afforded me so many different opportunities. And one summer I ended up blowing out my knee. So I tore my ACL. Um, and I really didn't know if I was going to be able to play at a level that I was used to again. And this came before I had taken that leap of faith to go to the Philippines and to try and play professional volleyball one last time. So there were definitely moments where during that, that bounce back period, the recovery period of, you know, Re- rehabbing from a torn ACL, MCL meniscus that you wonder, will I still be the same again? Um, and I think that whether you're an athlete, whether you're just somebody who has felt the the lows, that's when you sort of start to question. And you're like, can I still be as good as I once was? Um, and, you know, your mind loves to play tricks and games on you. And it starts that self-doubt starts to kind of wear in and you want to give up. But um it definitely had some low moments in that, but at the same time, I, I didn't let those thoughts win. I didn't let the, the self doubt win. Um, and so I just kept persevering because in my mind, the idea at the time of, no, I am going to play professional volleyball. I just saw it in my head so clearly. And I knew I was capable of it. I didn't know how, I didn't know how it was going to all come together because at the time I'm sitting here with a bum leg 
that I sort of need if I if I was going to play a sport. And I didn't know how it was all going to come together. But in the end, it did. I was literally stuck at one point. Like I, I, I couldn't move. Right. And there was a Bible verse that I really leaned on and it was be still and know that I am God. And that during my entire rehab process was something that I really stuck to not literally, like literally and spiritually, because literally I could not move. So I had to be still, but at the same time, it also really took my faith to another level as far as um, realizing I couldn't do it on my own. And for me personally, I am a woman of faith and I, my, my faith in, in God and in Jesus Christ has been um, a big role in my life personally um, through the many ups and downs um, even when I just kind of take a look back and, and reflect on like, man, how did I, how did I manage to get out of that? Or how did I like, how did I over, how did I overcome, you know, that chapter or man, that's crazy. Like how, you know, all of those things play it all in lines with the fact that faith to me has definitely been a constant. Um, even when times have been rough and because just because you, you may have faith, it doesn't mean it, 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 it gains you access to an easy path. It doesn't, but it does provide um, access to help, in my opinion. There was a moment during my time when I was, so I was in the Philippines. And at this point, this is when I was, um, I was playing for the team that had selected me. And I remember thinking that I had to sort of earn my keep. There were definitely, you could tell on the team that, you know, there were the this, this quote unquote stars and there were the starters and whatnot. And there was a time when for me personally, I knew that I was a starter. I knew that I could be contributing to the team more. This was sort of early on in, in, in the season. And it just felt like myself and the coach at that time were just not seeing eye to eye on that. And so I didn't feel that I was being utilized the way that I, I, should have been and I could have been and there were moments where I was like man I don't even know if this is for me like maybe I should just go back like I should just pack it up and go back to Canada and go home because like what am I even really doing here you know I didn't like the coach and I weren't really seeing eye to eye yes it was a dream like I, I made the team but it didn't feel like it was much of the dream fulfilled because you know at some games I was riding the bench and I was having like minimal minimal play time but I was putting in the work. And so it was kind of confusing. And so I do recall feeling that I knew I had to say something or I wanted to say something and I knew it was going to be uncomfortable. And I, I didn't want to be that person to just, by no means am I like, Oh, raising my hand and talk and, and saying, Hey, you need to play me more. But I knew that I had to stand up for myself because I didn't want to just continue this journey and on the sidelines, knowing that I had so much more to give. And so that was definitely an uncomfortable conversation for, you know, for, for me as a young athlete that I didn't want to have with the coach, but I knew it had to be, it had, it had to go down in order for me to have some sort of change and a shift. And there was, you know, I, it was a bit of an uncomfortable conversation in their eyes. They thought that they were utilizing me as best as possible, but I, I had to tell them like, no, I, I didn't think you were. So that was something that for me, I, I felt was a turning point. I asked them, I was like, I'm not asking for favors. I'm not asking for, um, for just an easy, like easy pass, but I know what I came here to do. And I know that I have more to contribute to this team. And sure enough, 
And again, like I said, that was near the, t- the beginning of the season, b- beginning slash midway. And by the end of the season, um, we, when we made the playoffs and when we worked our way up into the semifinals and then into the finals, looking back, I did play a key role um, as a starter and in part as part of the trajectory that led to us ultimately winning. So I'm glad I didn't, you know, I didn't keep, let the frustration build up and then say, you know what, bump this. I'm just going to go home. Like, what's the point? And then I would have never been able to go on this, on this journey with this team and then ultimately experience the taste of success and like seeing that dream fulfilled in, in winning a championship and, and seeing something that I knew was possible and seeing it through to the end. When you're in an opportunity or you, if, if you're, you're fortunate enough to be in a space where you're like, wow, like this is a dream, whatever it may be for someone who's listening, like whether it's the dream school that they got into or the dream job or the dream team, whatever it is, I think there's a difference between being, just being happy to be there and thriving and 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 owning the space that you have been afforded and that you take up and there is a difference between and I think in the beginning and I know myself as a young woman in in my professional career there were moments where I was like well you know what I'm I'm just okay I don't want to ruffle any feathers I don't want to rock the boat I just want to I'm just glad that I'm here and I think for a lot of women and especially women of color like we we don't want to rock boats or rock situations in fear of that. But I think that sometimes that is necessary or else you're not, you're going to continue to sell yourself short. You know, I'd walk into rooms and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's just so many, you know, journalists who are, whether they're older than me or more experienced than me, or they don't really look like me or so it is intimidating or you're in a room with other people who it's like, oh wow. And suddenly it's like, you almost feel yourself shrinking. And I know I've felt that there was a couple of times, but there is eventually a a change in me where for me personally, especially in media where you, I've been fortunate enough. I've interviewed celebrities. I've interviewed professional athletes. I've interviewed politicians. I've interviewed mayors. I've interviewed any, like any level of prominence I have met and been able to speak to. And at the end of the day, everyone is human. Everyone is afforded the same respect. Um, And you should never, just because of someone's classification or title, feel as if that should shrink you. And I had to really just learn that, you know, Kayla, you deserve to be here too in any room that I walk into, you know, where there's that reminder to chest up, you know, chin up, because we, again, it goes back to that idea of like selling ourselves short and not realizing just like how valuable you are. You know, you have to remind yourself of that as well. And so um, while it can be a bit intimidating, regardless of whatever room you may be in, or perhaps it's someone who's going to a new school or not, not unaware or not um, doesn't have a, a network or a group of people. And you feel like you're isolated. You feel like you're, you're, kind of the only one there. I feel that sometimes it is important to just remember that your own value, your own value is so important as well. And that you deserve to be in spaces the same way these other people take up space in the room too. Setting boundaries is important because if you don't, your mental health and your, just your overall being 
is just rocked. It's just off gear. It's off kilter and you feel it. And you, and so, you know, I know for myself, I was always very much so a people pleaser, always wanting to say yes, always willing to, you know, juggle as many balls in the air as I can in order to, and and just kind of keep it going, going, going. Um, And I learned very well that you can't keep doing that for much long, like for so long until you will drop one of the balls and then everything crashes. Right. And so for me, setting boundaries when it comes to work or when it comes to just taking time for Kayla is so important. So even if that's, you know, not checking, because for me in this day and age, I live off my phone because whether it's checking my work email, whether it's being up to date constantly in the world of news, um, you can get sucked into it. And so taking time for myself, you know, putting the phone down, um, turning the TV off. And that's even coming from someone who works on TV, but doing those things for my mental health, for my self self care is important because nobody, not you and I can, can pour from an empty cup. Right. So we have to continuously find ways to fill our own cup. However, that may be and and for everyone, it's different. I know for me, my physical health, my, my, and my well-being is so important to everything else in my life. So I have to make sure I make time for me, whether it's in this, because especially as an athlete, like whether I just, I sweat, I get some sort of sweat in some sort of movement in and even a simple walk to clear my mind, to get clarity, like all those things are still part of boundaries, learning to say no, because there was a time, especially with my job, you know, I would be asked to do things left, right, and center, especially prior to COVID, right? I know things are a little different now, but learning to say no and to also understand that just because you have free time doesn't mean you need to fill it. Doesn't mean you always have to be doing something. Um, and understanding too that, you know, your presence is also valuable, right? So under making sure that when you say yes to something that you're not just, again, just saying yes, because you're, you you do not want to upset anybody. So those are, these are just a few things that I've had to learn over the years um, with balancing my time and making sure I kept time for myself too. Tired of being tired? Seeking to build your self-confidence. Are you feeling uncomfortable in your skin? It's time to move with Kim. Studies have shown that in this era of exponential growth of the metabolic syndrome and obesity, lifestyle modifications have been proven to be one of the most effective ways to improve your health and quality of life. Let's chat about you, your goals, and how we will get you there. Send your inquiries to hello at kimniles.com and let's start conditioning your mental and physical health today. You know, I think that social media is like, it's such a double-edged sword, right? It could lead to such goodness, right? Things that, you know, people collaborating and working together and learning from one another on this platform. But then at the same time, it can be nasty, straight up. Like it can mess with people's mental being. It can psych them out. It has them double thinking or double guessing themselves. It has, you know, so for me personally, um, 
I consider myself fortunate that, you know, I'm an adult now and I know and understand boundaries, but growing up in this day and age that if I were a teenager, like I could only imagine it's 10 times harder now for young adults, especially when you're working on cultivating that self-worth and that self-love and you're constantly opening up your phone and it's constantly telling you that you need to look a certain way or be a certain way or do things a certain way and all of these pressures. And it's just in, you're inundated with it constantly and it doesn't end. For me, um, you know, I mentioned how I am an anchor as well as a reporter and a host um, at my current position, at my current job. And it took a long time for me to get to the anchor desk. The anchor desk is something that I had wanted to do for quite some time. And there were definitely moments where, for whatever reason, um, it seemed as if management was just not keen or not open to the idea of allowing me to um, take on that role. And I felt like I was doing my job. I felt like I was trying hard. I was, you know, I was putting in the time I was putting in the work. I was doing what needed to be done. And yet I still didn't feel like I was being afforded the opportunity. And I was, I was confused. I was, there were moments of confusion. There were moments of frustration. Um, but there, and there was also, I was trying to remain optimistic. Like, don't worry, your time's going to come. Just keep your head down and put in the work. Like it will happen. Um, but there were moments there, though, until that breakthrough finally happened that I did, I felt, I did feel, feel belittled. I felt, you know, confused as to why I wasn't afforded the same amount of, you know, faith in me and, and, and trust in me to do, to do a job that, you know, others who didn't show the same amount of, um, effort it felt. And yet I was watching them, you know, be afforded an opportunity. So there are definitely moments in this, especially in this industry and, 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 and with anything, right. You, you may feel as if, you know, you're working towards something and you're genuinely putting in the work and you are giving it your all and you're not reaping the benefits. You're not seeing the fruits of your labor. And to that, I say that you do have to have a certain amount of resiliency because there are going to be times where you know in your heart that you are destined for something or that you are capable of doing something or that you are, you, you know, it can come to pass and you know, it can happen, but others aren't going to see that in you. They, and, and you can't take it personal. And I think that's the big thing too. You cannot take those, those moments and those, those, those things and those opportunities you can't take it personally um because if you do it'll it'll try and really crush you like you said it will belittle you and so long as you remember that it's not personal and that if your time will ultimately come because nothing's always going to be like things are not always going to go according to plan so how you pivot and how you choose to okay well if it's not going according to plan i can you know i can just I can wash my hands of it and go another direction or I can stick with it. And, e and ultimately that could be either, or like either, or can be the right decision. But, um, I think resiliency is definitely something that helps make people that much stronger, even when life or even when people try to belittle or put you down. 
I think the biggest lesson that I've learned about my ego is the fact that one, it's there, (laughs) right? That I think we all have it to a certain degree, but that you do need to really humble yourself because your ego will tell you, well, by now you should be doing X, Y, Z. And by now, you know, uh, like I shouldn't have to, you know, continue to grind it out and continue to work 10 times times at 10 times harder but at the same on the same note remaining humble um is so key like it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter what mountaintop you get to i feel like remaining humble and knowing that it could be gone in an instant is what i try to keep my ego in check with is knowing that what you've been afforded kayla and the platform that you have been afforded and where you are you may not have that next month, next year, you know? So continue to be grateful and to check the ego. Like I think to, to say that it's not there would be a bold-faced lie. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you have to, you, you balance it out. Or where there is ego, you, you need to always re- refresh and remind yourself of being humble. And like, People kind of seem like say, well, like, you know, like, yeah, I'm humble. Like, yes, people can be humble, but then at the same time, like, why are you being humble? You know, like, what wh- what is it about being humble? Like, you know, sometimes people are like, no, I like, there's nothing wrong with my ego. Like, there's nothing wrong with having an ego. And while that may be true, like, like, because it comes from a place of like being self of being confident and that you absolutely should be confident, but you never want to past that line of confidence and, and where it gets, I don't want to say dangerous, but you, you forget who you are. And if that makes sense, it's really not until you're an adult that you truly understand. And when you look back on the stories and the sacrifices that the people who came before you did for you, that you're like, my gosh, like they sacrifice so much. And now as an adult, knowing my grandfather's story and how he was an immigrant who came um, from the Philippines to Canada. Um, my mother's, my father's side is Jamaican. My mother's side is Filipino. And my Filipino grandfather's story and his journey is so inspirational. It's like, I hope I'm that brave. I hope I'm that determined. And so when I just see his journey, um, and you know, again, handed only so, so much, so little and, but took so little and then made so much with it. And again, he has been the patriarch of our family to where now here I am along with how my, what, 17 other grandchildren and now a plethora, I don't even know the count of grandchildren, but his legacy is so vast. And I just look at that and I'm very inspired by that because there was so many opportunities where he could have gave up and he could have just gave in. But when you have a certain level of pressure on you like that, like a wife and seven kids that you have to feed and keep a roof over their head, um, it makes me so much more proud of him. And then also knowing that, okay, he did it. I can definitely do it if not more. And so it makes me want to not only make him proud, but just to take what he did then, but continue to do even more with the, with the opportunities that I've been afforded and with 
you know, I'm very with the privileges that we are now afforded by living, even living in this country and, and having, and being, having the opportunities that we have. My greatest fear is that I don't tap into my full potential that, you know, I don't like, I want to be able to leave it all out on the table. You know, when this, when life comes to an end, whenever that day comes and God spare life, but however long I have on this, on this earth, I really want, and it doesn't have, I don't have to make a big impact on a lot of people, but I do hope I make a a good and positive impact on even a few. And even if it's just a few, then I'm okay with that. But I just want to be able to look back and say that I did do my best and I gave it my all. I don't want to feel like, you know, even like, again, even when you like look back on, you know, could you have done more in that game? Could you have given me one more extra rep? You know, there's always those times in life, like when, like, could you have done more? And sometimes when you know the answer is like, yeah, I probably could have. Like that doesn't sit well with me. And so like you, I sort of take that same thing with my overall life journey. I want to be able to say and look back, like, you know, I, I hope given what I have, I made the most of what I could and that in that journey, I've inspired others to also do the same. And it doesn't have to be in the field of broadcast, like, oh, you know, I've inspired the next, you know, generation of broadcasters or of journalists. It doesn't even necessarily have to be that. But it's just the idea if, of see, if someone said that they saw me do something and they feel like they can too, that to me is the greatest feeling. And so I guess going back to the question of, of fear, my fear is that. I don't want to leave anything in the tank, but I'll be honest with you. Um, I really, I felt like got my introduction to Christ and um, I became a believer uh, during my university years when I was actually down in, in Louisiana and I was kind of introduced to what a relationship is with Christ as opposed to religion. You know, there's a huge difference between religion and relationship with God. And I think that that is what really confuses a lot of people today. And sometimes I feel like it puts a bad rap on, you know, what it is to have a relationship with God because people just associate it with the religious aspects and entities of it all. And my thing is, is that I'm trying to be a good person and I'm trying to be a good represent representation of what Jesus Christ is while I'm on this earth. And I think um, for me, uh, when I truly understood the meaning of relationship over religion that's for me what changed my life and it's an ongoing journey um i mean that happened when i was about 18 19 years old and here i am now in my 30s and i'm still constantly you know just day in and day out trying to walk with christ and you know trying to be a reflection as best as i can and i know i, I fall short i'm i'm i am still but a mere human but i do think that my life is my life would not be where it is right now if I didn't learn that difference of relationship when when something is no longer serving you and it's no longer it's run its course in your life you could try and you know ignore it put it to the side or but it you you know you know and I think for me it's that idea of as you're evolving and growing as a person, the question becomes, do you ignore it or do you acknowledge it? Because the, ultimately, 
by ignoring it, the only person that you're hurting is yourself. And so I think for me, as, as time goes on, you have to acknowledge when something is no longer um, feeding and growing in, in, in your life and decide what that what the next step is. And even if it feels scary and even if it may make you feel sick to your stomach, you have to you owe it to yourself to be true to you. Um, or you have to be prepared then for what happens when you don't, you know, honor yourself and, and, and honor um, what's best for you and what comes with that when you sort of sell yourself short. There's so many different reasons as to, oh, there's so many buts. My advice to a younger person, even to my younger self, would be to continue to be hungry, to stay eager and to go for it. I, there's a, so many times in my life where people thought I was crazy. Like the idea of even like leaving at 17 and going away to a far, going halfway to the bottom of the US to in the Southern, to Northeast Louisiana, place I've never been to, place that a lot of people growing up where I grew up in Scarborough and here in Toronto, like we didn't, we'd never heard of, of Grambling um, of an HBCU at the time. And I didn't let any of those, like what ifs being far away from my family, leaving the nest, if you will, like, I didn't let those things stop me. Uh, even when I look back on taking the one way ticket of, um, not letting fear stop me, even how I was prepared to move to Edmonton again, if need be in order to better myself and, and, and continue on with my journey you have to be able to put some risk in life. You have to take those risks because I know some people who haven't, you know, and like that idea of like, of, of leaving home or leaving the comfort zone, it's too scary. But I really do feel like nothing, nothing great comes out of a comfort zone and you do have to be willing to sort of go for it. So when you're young and you're, un and you're unsure, I guarantee you, like, if you feel like you can, like, if God put that thought or in that, that goal in your mind and in your heart, it's there for a reason. So if it requires a bit of a, a leap of faith or a jump and it's scary, I guarantee you, you will fly. You've been listening to the Make Your Mark podcast. You can visit our website and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at makeyourmark.ca and please subscribe, rate, and review.